Hey there everyone, Emil here and you're listening to episode 3 of Emil in the Morning at Night. During this episode, we sit down with comic book man Rob Cham. We talk about how he got into comics, his art, and about how he grew up in general, I guess. We discuss the intricacies of hentai, monster rancher, Pokemon, and the ins and outs of the local comic book industry. If you're into stuff like this, I'll be bringing you conversations about life and video games every week. So don't forget to subscribe if you can. With all that said, let's get to it. Here's Emil in the Morning at Night, Episode 3, with Rob Cham. you want to break me welcome to another episode of a meal in the morning at night where i talk to interesting people over a cup of coffee at night and today we have with us rob cham say hi rob hi rob <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it's a bad joke anyway hi emil i'm rob hello listeners introduce yourself man all right um i'm rob um i'm a comic book artist an illustrator uh for different publications i make my own comics i'm a teacher for different things. Um, I teach illustration at Ateneo and also maybe this year comics. Um, I'm an editor for this comics anthology in the Philippines called Abangan where it's the best in Philippine comics. Every year we're trying to come out with one book that showcases the what we think are the best comics that came out that year. Trying to promote local comics, trying to get other people to read stories and just give people more of like an easy entry point into comics. And I am an art director for a... I'm doing a lot of stuff. Man. No, keep going, keep going. I'm trying my hardest not to interrupt you. Yeah, keep going, man. I'm an art director for The Diff. It's a phone case company. Uh-huh. I'm in charge of making sure that the cases look okay enough that people might buy them. Yeah. So... Is that where you're ending your list of stuff? I occasionally write oh, for... Shit. <laughs> keep going. God damn it. That's it. Like, I write for other people to make comics, too. And, yeah, working on different comics projects with different people right now. And, yeah, I guess that's it. That's... You do a ton of stuff. You, how long have you been my friend? Uh, let's see. <laughs> no, no. Like, I remember meeting you in college. You know, like, we see each other in Katipunan and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met you through Charlie, yeah? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we've known each other, like, seven years now. Seven years, really? Yeah, it's been like seven years since second year in college. Holy crap. I, you know, you've been my friend for so long. We hang out all the time. We're always like gaming with, with Sila Peter, Sila Ares. Yeah. But I actually really don't know what you do. I mean, I attend your galleries. I attend all your art stuff. I try to support. Like, I'm a bad friend for not buying your book and shit. Because like, I, I'm broke. But I actually have no idea what you do. Um, like, let's try to get to the specifics. Um, how'd you start with your whole comic book thing? Because if I know anything, that's the only thing I know about you. You're a comic book guy. Yeah, okay. Um, how'd you get started on that? When I was a kid, it's pretty much what we did, right? Like, people gave us a piece of paper and a pencil and we would just draw stuff. So, from there, I just was the kid that was into drawing because I really like cartoons. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like where I started making comics, where it would just be like these fan comics of like... I remember this one comic I did where it's called The Dogs in Black. The Dogs in Black? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the Men in Black? Yeah, because the Men in Black movie came out and like I wanted to draw cartoons that I watched. So it was Droopy, Snoopy, and Scooby-Doo 
Get it? They all have yeah, two yeah, O's. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> two O's, because Droopy, Scooby, Snoopy. Anyway, and they were the dogs in black, and they fought aliens. That's the earliest comic I could remember. So you drew th those three very iconic dogs in black formal suits. Yeah. And they fought aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good concept for, like, a kid. I was seven. I was a visionary. Mm -hmm. No, no. <laughs> okay, so, no, here's the thing, because, like, I was into that, too. And I love cartoons and shit like that, and I would actually draw. But that didn't go anywhere. But you stuck to it. So that became your main thing? Well, it was like, I guess it was an identity to cling on to when I was a young kid. Cause oh, like, oh, that makes sense. I wasn't the handsome one. I wasn't the smart one. Well, okay, I was I was the <laughs> smart one. No, really, like I could have been accelerated a year. But you chose not to. But my parents chose for me. Oh, okay, okay. Not I, much of a choice there. Yeah, but that was because like I had two different schools I was going to. If I advanced in my English school, I wouldn't be able to complete my Chinese school. It would be like I had to also advance in Chinese school somehow, but they didn't let me do that. Yeah, I mean I was, like because you'd skip an entire like vocabulary of Chinese if you skipped a level. Yeah, but right that now that would I like can't. completely fuck you up. Yeah, according to my parents, but I couldn't speak Chinese anyway, so... I, yeah, I don't. neither can I. 13 years of Chinese school and no Chinese whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> High five. So yeah. yeah, it was like, I was the art kid, because like I happened to like to draw a lot, and then my classmates would like, if there's an assignment that had to do with drawing, I would be the one they would look to, so it became my thing, and then my parents took note, and then they would sign me up for art classes and stuff like that. Then I would just like annoy my teachers in these art classes because all I ever wanted to do was comics because like I wanted to make my own comics I wanted to draw like Garfield strips, Snoopy strips and like they were just showing me watercolor and oil paints So they were showing you the super ass traditional shit but super all you- ass traditional? <laughs> yep, yep, gotta work on them adjectives Um, super ass traditional shit but like you just wanted to get into the cartoons Yeah, and that's it like I grew up in Baguio, just uh, FYI. It was a artsy place, so like I had like Baguio is an artsy place. Yeah, like this is coming from somebody who lives down here in Manila, and you North folk up in the plateaus of Baguio. Careful with what you say. <laughs> <laughs> really? Go, go on, go on. Is this a heavy issue? No, 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 no it's not. <laughs> okay, us mountain people, go on. You mountain people. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I only know Baguio as this like vacation spot as people from Manila go to to cool off during the summer. There are a lot of like exhibits, gallery places, and there is a healthy art culture there. And mini golf. And mi no, that's not. <laughs> the art stage, the mini golf. <laughs> yeah. So art stage, mini golf left. That's it. Like I grew up around artists. Like my dad was actually good friends with this um, guy, the national artist Ben Cabrera. If you ever heard of Ben Cab. Mm -hmm. So that's it, like my dad knew a lot of like different artists and then my mom also knew them. And then she would like let me be tutored under them. So okay. like, they would be teaching me all these like techniques with pastels, with paints and oils and like all I would ever get to paint or watercolor is just scenic mountain views. And I hated that. I wanted to like tell stories. I wanted draw people interacting with one another or cartoons and stuff like that. Okay, I'm hearing this for the first time and I had no idea you were like classically trained. Yeah. <laughs> I. That's why I... Because it doesn't come out in your work. Your work just seems like you. I had to learn all of this from somewhere, dude. I guess. Yeah. That does make sense. That does make sense. I mean, when I look at your work, I don't think classically trained artist. I think artist who's just drawing what the fuck he wants. Alright, because 
if you have to think about how you learn stuff uh-huh. in art, you have to learn the rules before you can break them. Mm. That way, it still mm. looks good. I like, agree. Why do you think we had such a hard time like drawing hands of, let's say, kids from recess? Because that is just like they simplified all this human anatomy into the most basic thing, and then they figured a way to draw the hands that it's still recognizable as a hand. That's why so most simple. most cartoon characters only have four fingers. Well, every, we have four fingers and one thumb. Oh, but, but I get what you mean. Like the three fingers and one thumb. The three four, fingers and one thumb. Four yeah. digit. But it's pretty much that. Like it looks simple and easy, but it took a lot of work to get there, or like a lot of thought. Like this was like every Saturday, I would just go to these guys, and then they would make make me work on a piece, or like they would show me like, okay, so if you notice that if you use these brush strokes here, it looks like leaves, and that stuff was great, I guess. Like I sold some paintings as a youth exhibited at places but that's it like it wasn't anything that gave me a name but yeah at school i was known as the art guy and then like i wouldn't be using classically painted stuff i would just be drawing cartoons because i would want to make comics and then like i remember one of the first comics i did was like a manga epic starring all my classmates a manga epic i wasn't i've never seen you draw anime style yeah, I abandoned that style because <laughs> no. it's that horrible huh no um uh, is this a PG-13? Am I allowed to talk about my hentai thing? Completely explicit, go for it. Alright, well, that's it, like, I went through an anime phase because, like, because everyone... hentai? Because, no, no. <laughs> everyone drew manga stuff and anime stuff was what was popular. I guess, like, we all grew up with anime everywhere on the primetime slots. Ghost yeah. Fighter, Flame of Rekka, that kind of stuff. Dragon Ball, yeah. Dragon Ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, I was trying to emulate that. And then that's how I got into manga. But I didn't, like, read any scanlations or anything. I just tried to copy the style of the stuff we were watching, like Flame of Rekka. I will draw myself as, um... As? Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's so cool. <laughs> hey, come on. I thought Vincent was cool. Yeah, like imagine me with like the puffed off hair and then like just like my eyes are just like slits. <laughs> and an extra slit on your forehead? Yeah, that's what I drew myself as. <laughs> I drew myself as Vincent. Oh man. Yeah, so I did have an anime phase and that's why I drew a manga about all my classmates. Wait, before you started talking about this, you were asking if this was explicit or not. Oh. I'm not seeing the explicit factor in this story. No, it's like... When I was doing the anime style, I would draw my own hentai and like, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a podcast where we talk about video games, so let's try to talk about video games. Growing up, were video games a big thing for you? Yeah, man. That's where, like, I think I spent most of my teenage years. Yeah. Teenage? Yeah, because um, I never got a PS1 until I, like, I was 13. That was like 2003. Oh wow, that's pretty late. So your only experience with gaming came from your teenage years? Well, that's when I got really into it. Before that, I just had a Famicom as a kid. Famicom, I skipped over that. I got the Genesis. Yeah, fuck you, say. <laughs> yeah, but I got the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, if that's what they call it. And then I would constantly just play Mario all the time. And then it would only ever get to like, I would just only be in the first world. And then I would die at the boss. Oh yeah, man, kids suck. I sucked at video games yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I could never get past the first level of anything without cheats. Exactly. Uh, but, but I did rule at Tetris. I beat everyone in my family in oh, Tetris. Man, Tetris. <laughs> Back when Facebook games were still a thing, I would completely absorb myself in like this Tetris battle thing and I would lose R's on end. Since we were talking, yeah, right, right? Everyone would just challenge each other. Yeah, I hated it. (laughs) But yeah, and then I got into the PlayStation and then like I didn't play any other games except this one game, Monster Rancher. (laughs) 
Monster Rancher. Yeah. Holy shit, that's the only one you played? I had other games. It was like <laughs> Golden Age of Piracy. You could, could buy a PS1 game for 50 bucks and then like... I had like a huge stack. It was like taking up like a shelf on my... Yeah, me too. Like, wall. I still have a collection that takes up a massive portion of my storage. Right? So... So like, you got obsessed with Monster Rancher. Yeah. I just really wanted to reach S rank without cheating. But I ended up just, you know, using a game shark. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so that I can get my monsters at... All their stats are 9999999. And then just like breeze through the game, collect whatever monsters come my way. Looking up strategy guides to like get the specific monster event. Like, oh, now I can get Jester. Now I can get a dragon. I can get a fucking hollow piece of armor. Suezo. Uh, Suezo. Yeah, Suezo. The iconic Monster Rancher monster. What was it about Monster Rancher that like made you get into that so much? Because everyone was just so competitive in you know, like Dota and Counter-Strike. Well, Dota wasn't around then. But yeah, Warcraft. not yet. Not yet. Warcraft, for example. <laughs> so I was late to that because like I didn't have a good home PC. I didn't really go out with anyone because I wasn't really social. So this was like every Saturday I would spend it all day just playing on my PlayStation and drawing. And my classmates, they would be playing Counter-Strike with each other. And then when, whenever I get a chance to join them, I suck at this and I'm wasting everyone's time. And then I never <laughs> went back to it. I was kind of like that in high school too. I was the guy who'd bring down the entire team when it came to Dota or Counter-Strike. Yeah, and you know, you don't want to be that guy. So like here, I didn't really have any pressure. I had cheats on my side. <laughs> I was fine with being that guy. <laughs> I wasn't. I felt like I was missing out. Oh, okay. On girls and interactions with them. Really? Back in your school, the top Counter-Strike players and Dota players got the girls? No, like, I'm just saying I missed out on that too. Because like, my school was a Christian school. And they right. had this, um merit the merit system where you can earn merits throughout the year they just give you a hundred merits at the start every time you fuck up they would demerit you so like one of the demerits is like being gay 60 demerits holy crap really you're expelled holy shit being gay is a demerit yeah for them if i was caught like i'm not gay i'm I'm just pointing out like how absurd the system was if you were caught dating someone that's 30 demerits so if you're caught twice you're both expelled what if you're dating someone of the same sex you're Holy crap! That's that's absurd to me. I mean, I grew up in a Christian school, but nothing as harsh as that. Yeah, and like if you were late, that was two demerits. If you were caught with magic cards or Pokemon cards. Oh yeah, we had that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were pretty like heavy on the magic cards. Now, like since you were talking about your love of Monster Rancher, what I know of you these days is your unhealthy obsession with Pokemon. So did you get your unhealthy obsession with Pokemon through your love of Monster Rancher? No, I got it through the anime. Yeah. Oh, my unhealthy love of Pokemon came from the anime. I, my parents had a Game Boy lying around, and my sister never played it. Then I was like, can I have this, and can I play Pokemon? Okay, so you're just like everyone else. Yeah. You grew up on the anime, you grew up on the trading cards, you grew up on the Game Boy. Yeah, I was hoping that, okay, so I like Monster Hunter, I like Digimon, I like Pokemon. Of the three, only one survives to this day. Yep. And I still play Pokemon. And Digimon's still around, and like, a lot of people <laughs> will, will argue that it came first. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone remembers Pokemon way better. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon had the superior game. I mean, I spent a lot of time on Monster Rancher, but if you compare that to, like, how much time I spent on Pokemon, that's just no comparison. Like, yeah. Pokemon is, like, thousand hours or something. Yeah, exactly, because when I started playing, uh, my first Pokemon was a uh, blue version. 
you have a party of six and you adventure with them. You raise them, you level them, and shit like that. I tried playing Digimon on the PlayStation 1. Ah, oh, that game sucks. And then my Digimon took a shit and that turned into another Digimon. And then I was like, what the hell is this? And when the piece of shit evolved, it turned into something completely different. And, and like, Yeah. I remember that game and I remember like, the Digimon was unhappy because they didn't clean up its shit. Yeah, I was hoping just something simple like Pokemon. Not to like, upset any Digimon fans out there, but like... This was a terrible game. <laughs> I think Pokemon really, really outdid themselves when it came to the game. Yes. The anime, you could probably argue that. There's the, tons of people like, that love the Digimon anime. Like the game came first before Pokemon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right, you're right. The anime. So mm -hmm. I think that's why it's like a superior product because it's a video game first. It's a video game franchise first. If you look at the anime, it's just a way to sell the video games, the product, to make Pikachu the mascot, and then you get all the big Pikachu plushies. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I don't know anything about Digimon. Did did the anime come first? Did the game come first? I feel like the anime came first. Yeah? Yeah. Because yeah. um, if you looked at the game, it was very much like... Like trying to emulate something, but not getting it completely because they were trying to just slap it into the game mechanics. Yeah, that's why like you have these random evolutions. That kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. So, your love of Pokemon has no connection to your love of Monster Rancher. No, because when the Monster Rancher anime that was showing on GMA like was gone, I was still playing Monster Rancher because I wanted to figure out how to combine everything or make the coolest looking because like you had this system where you could combine monsters and like that's just me figuring out stuff yeah but, yeah i love that too but pokemon for me was a way to actually like hang out with friends oh yeah because you have to trade and shit yeah and like i wasn't rich enough to get like two cartridges and two game boys that's yeah. bananas i would never buy two cartridges what's the point well the point is so that you could be the Pokemon master. Yeah, but... With no friends. I had the wrong notion about it where I thought that Red was a different game from Blue. Like, uh, maybe like completely different? Yeah, maybe it's a different 7th gym leader. Nope, it's the same. Maybe it's a different Elite Four. Nope, it's the same. <laughs> sure, I just encountered different Pokemon. So you wanted both copies? Yeah, because I thought it was two different games. Holy shit. <laughs> I thought like Blue was a sequel to Red rather than a companion. So, until now, you're like completely into the Pokemon. Like, yeah, whenever I see you on your 3DS, you're you're always playing the Pokemons. <laughs> what Pokemon version are you on again? I am now on Alpha Sapphire. Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, it's the uh, remake of Sapphire. You know, I feel really bad. I still haven't gotten around to beating that copy of Pokemon Y that you guys gave me for my birthday. No, I, I feel like it's warranted. It's like you don't recognize any of the Pokemon anymore. You don't know what's good, and also like. The whole meta game of Pokemon now is like you have to IV train, you have to get the best bred one, you have to have. For those who don't know what IVs are, it's just. <laughs> yeah, go on. Imagine that Pokemon has these invisible points. Let's that... discuss in depth Pokemon mechanics. Yeah. Uh, if you want, I don't know. This... No, go for it, go for it. All right. You love this shit. Yeah, I do. So, all Pokemon are just randomized, just so that every Pokemon is unique. So the game creators made it this way by incorporating these things called individual values. What that means is like they will assign a number of from 0 to 31 for a stat. So one Pokemon to be stronger than the other. Strength, 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 uh, speed, agility, stuff like that. 
you're special attacks. You're like super into it though, be getting into that in-depth stuff. But um, what you mentioned earlier, I think that's what like kind of deterred me from playing. It's not that it's about the EV training or the IV stuff because I already knew that. I was already yeah. doing that <laughs> way back in Pearl. And like, um, I think what really threw me off was the first thing you said, I don't recognize anyone anymore. Yeah, everything's new. You'll occasionally see something you recognize. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be happy for it. I'll be like, oh, I know that one. And then you realize, oh, this new one is way better in every way possible. Yeah. It has a third evolution. Fuck you, Raichu. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why would I ever play with the old Pokemon when these new Pokemon are so much more complex and interesting? Dude, yeah. But I was thinking like the EV trading was another hindrance because like when I started like playing X and Y, I bought a 3DS just so I can play Pokemon X and Y. Just for Pokemon. Yeah. You're, you still don't want to play Monster Hunter with us. I want to train them. I don't want to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pocket Monsters, not Monster Hunter. Yeah, like, it's a big hindrance to, like, try to have fun with it as the same way before, knowing about the IV stuff. Like, But they I, did streamline that, right? Yeah, it's so much easier now, like I was showing you before, but, like... Yeah, you were showing me the punching bag shit and the training. Yeah, except, like, it's still... I tried to just play it for fun. I tried to avoid the whole breeding thing, but then it's just like part of the fun oh, is you... destroying everyone you come across. Yeah. So I have to do that so like I, I can go and meet with my friends and then destroy them yep. bit by bit with my perfect six IV ghastly, I don't know. What's your dream team? Oh, all ghost Pokemon. All like, ghost? Yeah, like it's my favorite Pokemon type. You're less of a super efficient team, more of like a thematic guy. Yeah, like, well, no, like, I tried the ghost team and then I failed miserably. Cause, like, <laughs> everyone just threw out a dark type or a fairy type, and it's like, I was demolished. Yeah, exactly. I'm like that too. It's like, for me, I don't see the point in, like, super efficiency. Super efficiency to the point that you're playing Pokemon that you don't even like. Yeah. I will always make a team that I like. There is the competitive Pokemon scene. I'm not part of it here in Manila. It's more like just because I go online and see if I can, like, beat some Japanese. Fuck who has like a <laughs> perfect six IV shiny Garchomp and it's just like fuck, fuck you. Fuck, fuck. How much time? How much time did he do? Right? It's like how? It's like no matter how much I devote into it, it's never gonna reach that level. So I'm fine without. Wait, there's there's a hardcore competitive Pokemon scene. Yeah. Whenever I end up interviewing someone, like they keep springing these facts on me and like. I'm always all about like trying to find the gaming communities, trying to find the bunch of people that are into the same shit I am. And then I'm always surprised that there's this like hardcore community hidden away. Uh, for every game. For every game. And like, yeah, it's just so tough that they're not out in the open for everyone to like, I want everyone to be a part of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eh? Eh? No, it's like, I don't want to be part of that community because I will lose my life to it. Oh, that makes sense. And with what you started with, you're a pretty busy dude. Yeah, like that's why I never get into MMOs. That's why I didn't play Monster Hunter with yeah, you guys. Yeah, you keep turning down all our offers for these cool ass MMOs, all these yeah. cool ass games like Monster Hunter. You never play with us, dude. Okay, so the reason for MMOs, like I keep telling you it's a time sink, but really I just like First MMO I played Ragnarok, I hated every minute of it. And oh, Ragnarok was like a giant grind festival. Yeah, and like I didn't want to grind. I had homework to do. I I didn't <laughs> want to be. You were the smart one. I didn't want to be an irresponsible kid, so I didn't have any fun. And then like every time I'd like have time to play it, when I think like I've done my work, oh my load is gone. It's expired. <laughs> 
Holy crap. Yeah, that was a problem. Actually getting load every fucking week. Plus it was dial-up internet, so I also had to pay for the internet. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I remember like going to Saudi Saudi stores and getting the prepaid cards. It was a really <laughs> bad addiction. Really, really fucking bad. And then I graduated to WoW, which was worse. I can imagine. Yep, but yep. Aside from like how much I didn't enjoy the pay-to-play system, I didn't enjoy getting into the community because everyone was just like constantly asking for, hey, what do you have to sell? Let me buy, let me sell. Yeah, yeah. Begging for like shit I don't have. And then like, I'm, I'm trying to kill a thing. <laughs> for me. Leave me alone. For me, I think that's the main selling point of an MMO for me. It's like that. The, that social sort of, aspect. Yeah, the social aspect. That I didn't want the... that. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> oh, all yeah. right. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, we've cleared that up. Yeah. You really didn't want the part that shines in an MMO. No. It was Ragnarok, so you like have all these other assholes running around. Like it, it did get infested with bots at some certain point in time. Yeah. So and, right mm-hmm. now, like I don't want to go on an online community either, because like all these horror stories. Plus, how much everyone says an MMORPG is a time sink. Well, it really is, but like there are some more forgiving MMOs out there right now. Like for example, Guild Wars 2, the one we play usually. It's free to play. Well, it's pay to play. You you pay once. You pay once, and then. No more monthly fees, and then everything else is free, and it's super fun, and we log on when we have time. Yeah, I'm not denouncing all MMOs, it's just that I'm not that kind of gamer, you know? Like, I. So, what kind of gamer are you? Oh, no. (laughs) Alright, so I'm veering away from AAA titles and consoles these days. Same here, same here. Because, as great as the exclusives are, I feel like everything will end up on PC somehow with all these emulators and stuff. Yeah, eventually. And. The only worthwhile console, I think, is Nintendo. Honestly, like, yeah. their exclusive titles better than anyone else's. Plus, I think Nintendo is the only one that's been innovating in the space for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Because with the other big two, Sony and Microsoft, they've just been duking it out. They haven't gotten past the Bitwars mindset. Yeah. It's all about better graphics, bigger this, bigger that. It's and boring. Nintendo is the only one that's been coming up with fun shit. Sure, the Wii U controller is weird as fuck. Yeah, it's weird as fuck. There's a tablet thing. What's going on there? But like the games they put out consistently, well, not consistently great, but you know, it's a lot more interesting. Like I would rather play Mario Kart. I'd rather play Mario Party. I'd rather play Super Smash Brothers. I mean, like it feels like they're doing it because they love it. Yeah. Also, like the lack of evil that they do. Sure, it's kind of like they're slow to adapt to things like online sales of video games and stuff oh yeah their eShop is horrible man yeah but like the games are great their DLC is consistently like worth the price every time sometimes they give it away for free yeah like Monster Hunter yeah in the future I'll just have a PC and whatever Nintendo console is out by then so uh, that's what kind of gamer I am where like the PC it's more like I'm not going for AAA titles either because right now the AAA market is just terrible yeah like all these DLC things all these like buggy patches all this like day one bullshit all this pre-purchase crap these season passes it's basically reinforcing this weird consumer mindset that i should pay for nothing exactly with nintendo it's all super fun and like i'm not um a big nintendo fanboy like our friend peter is yeah Uh, like that's his job um my job (laughs) is to be like the playstation fanboy the pc fanboy and like I can't say that Nintendo hasn't been doing a good job. And with that said, are you in the same space as me where um, I'm kind of afraid for the future of Nintendo? Because... Um, yeah, Iwata just passed. Yeah, 
Iwata just passed away. Well, you think that's gonna take a giant effect on Nintendo as a company? Or are they going to keep trudging on in his footsteps? Just to supplement something I said before, like, mm -hmm. the only reason why I have a PC yeah. is just for all the indie games that are out for it. That's another kind of gamer I am where like, I'm looking for like new games that I wouldn't find anywhere else. Uh -huh. So that's why I'm also drawn to Nintendo because they have new concepts I wouldn't find anywhere else. Exactly. Like Splatoon. Like, Splatoon looks amazing. I don't have a Wii U, but I want to play that shit. Yeah. I, I played it at my friend's place. And it was just How was like, it? Amazing. It's like so much fun. And it's kind of like a new way to approach shooters, which is like for the longest time has been dominated by like... Yeah, for the longest time it's just cult. been like shoot everyone else in the face. Yeah, and has you know grown a toxic culture online. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, like Splatoon is the exact same thing, but adding that mechanic of painting the ground yeah. just changes the whole thing. Yeah, so I feel like it's not just one person who has been behind Nintendo's success for all this time. Mm -hmm. For Iwata, such a great man, but he has built a company that would be able to sustain itself mm -hmm. or like continue on the path that he directed it at. You know, he's been in so much of the success. So of you're it. not worried about Nintendo? I'm not worried about Nintendo. That's good. I want all their amiibos. I guess it's just a crappy feeling to see someone like die so young when they put so much work into this company. I mean, the guy was super great. When, when sales were down, he would take pay cuts on himself. Not to the other staff. I mean, he was a great guy. Now that we're talking about the indie scene, uh, you were talking about how you were into indie games and how you were mostly into the PC shit because eventually everything's gonna hit the PC. What indie games have you been into recently? Alright, I'm not sure if this counts as an indie, indie game because like, you know, everyone has probably played this because mm -hmm. it was on the PlayStation. Abe's Odyssey. The, oh! The new and tasty edition. Is it new and tasty? I don't know, okay. but I think I saw that on the Steam. It's the HD remaster, and then it's Apes Odyssey. They built it from the ground up, so it's like a completely just new game, except it's just following the storyline and the gameplay of Ape really? Apes Odyssey from PlayStation 1. Huh, I thought it was just a... HD remake? Yeah. Nah, it's like from ground up, so like it looks great, it sounds great, they recorded all new lines. I played that on the PlayStation 1, and I was horrible at it. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, as a kid? Oh. I never played it because I couldn't find a copy, even in the pirated bins, because like, I guess no one liked it. Oh wait, I think I played Apes Exodus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where, where he's escaping with the prisoners. I think I'm talking about the wrong shit. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't own an Xbox, so I never played that either, or Munch's Odyssey. Mm -hmm. So this is the first Oddworld game I've been playing, and I'm like, it's, I feel like I missed out so much because it's great just like it's a fun platformer it's great writing great character design i love everything about it other indie games i've been playing this war of mine which is just like crushing this war of mine i heard it's called like a depression simulator yeah pretty much All so right. like war breaks out and you're playing like refugees from the war like you're in a battlefield you're trying to collect resources so occasionally it's kind of like the zombie apocalypse games that we play minus the whole shooting aspect instead you're just like point and clicking and then just trying to gather resources and your enemy is just like everyone else uh -huh. sometimes you can like meet a person who will just be like oh you want to trade supplies sure Another time, you go approach someone, they shoot you in the head without warning. It's kind of like you have a small cast of characters, like three people. Uh -huh. It's a roguelike, so you just see how long... How long each of you can last. Until... Well, it's kind of like random circumstance, but I know that there's a story, but I've never really... Reached the end? Reached the end, because I always just like make the worst decisions, and then like leave everyone crippled, sick, dying, and I couldn't get resources, and everyone just dies. That's why it's depression, because like mm -hmm. this is what war feels like, and then this is from a video game. This is what loss... This is 
is what you know like you get into the psychology of some of these survivors really just refugees you know the stories that we'd hear from like our yeah exactly about. exactly i think that's one of the great things about this recent indie boon yeah yeah boon boom this recent indie boon <laughs> boom since these indie developers don't have like the triple a budget they have to rely on their actual storytelling they're actually using the medium in an innovative manner to get across a message i feel like it's not that they don't want to it's just that it's a mix of all those things sometimes yeah, the story yeah, yeah, comes totally. first something like um it's not in- innovative in its gameplay but walking dead yeah. best writing I've ever seen in a video uh-huh. game like fuck what about Papers Please yeah that, I mean, that I was mean, depressing as fuck yeah and like that and was, it was a horrible game but you kept playing yeah it's based on that really great mechanic right? yeah yeah it's, yeah just one mechanic of stamping papers and keeping an eye on like discrepancies yeah that's the story and the game going hand in hand to give you a great experience I really like this recent indie resurgence of like giving more importance to the story rather than the graphics that's it, they don't have the budget for like the best graphics, but what they make it up for is like great character design. That's another thing I look for in games, uh, like, as like another artist myself. This sounds dumb, because like everyone wants a good looking game anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, like the art direction is a giant thing. When I look at a game and I don't like what I see, graphics wise, I tend to turn away. Then why do you have Dive Kick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Dive Kick's a different story. It's, it's an ugly game. It's a really ugly game though. I struggled so hard to like it. I, I really struggled hard to like it because I'm getting into the fight games recently. Yeah. And like, Dive Kick is like a just a super interesting way of teaching someone. But it's so ugly. Yeah, it's so ugly though. I wish they could have come up with better art for it. Sorry towards the artist who did Dive Kick if you're listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean like, good job. But like, I wish... Oh. Personal opinion. Yeah, like, yeah. I recognize the craft you put in it. It just looks bad. <laughs> I've worked this hard to make my stuff and some of it still probably looks bad to someone. I think the biggest thing that Divekid actually did was removing the execution barrier because I think that's the biggest barrier when it comes to new people with fighting games. Yeah, because they don't know about the secret moves. Yeah, they don't know about the quarter circles, the shorter yukins, you know? Stuff yeah. like that. Nidhogg does it better. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I really like Nidhogg. Yeah, it's simple graphics. Okay, since we were talking about how how the art plays a big deal, plays a big deal, plays a big part in how much you like a game and stuff like that, these games that you play, um, have they ever influenced your art and what you do? Sort of, yeah. I grew up in Baguio. I had access to PlayStation and pirated video games, but okay. I didn't have access to comic books. No comic books. No comic books. Because like everyone here, they can just go to fill bars, they can go to Comic Odyssey, they could get their hands on a Spider-Man comic. Yeah, totally. I had none of that. I just had Archie Digests, magazines, newspaper strips. So I remember falling in love with Spider-Man, not because of the movie, but because of the video game. The first one, Spider-Man the video game, on the PlayStation 1. I used to watch Spider-Man as a cartoon, that's how I got to know him. Yeah, I remember that one. But I spent all this time feeling just how much fun being Spider-Man was because of that video game. Uh Yeah, it was made by um, Activision, Neversoft Studios, the guys who made like the Tony Hawk games. It was like the game I played the most on my PlayStation 1 besides Monster Rancher. Mm -hmm. 
I would replay missions over and over again just to do the different costumes that these are all the costumes Spider-Man had in all the comics. So that influenced my love of comics in a way that I wanted to read the comics because of the video game. And then when I got to Manila to study, you know, like to study college. To study college. To study college. Yes. I needed to know how college worked. <laughs> to study in a college. To study for, in a college, yeah. For college at the nail. All the comics I first bought were Spider-Man. And then like I started looking towards like Secret Wars. Um, Crisis of Infinite Earths, and then that's it. I was a Spider-Man fan, and then introduced me to all these like indie cartoonists, Daniel Klaus, um, Adrian Tomine, these kind of artists that influenced my own stories and the stuff I make. So it was the video game that actually got you into liking comics. I mean, I always liked comics. Like I said, like I always wanted mm -hmm. to make comics, but I was only ever. You grew up with a limited uh, amount of material on hand, basically. Yeah, and like I only ever read like The Far Side or whatever uh -huh. Archie comics I had. Whatever's in the newspaper. Whatever's in the newspaper. <laughs> Magazine stand, yeah. I never would have guessed, because like back when I met you, I didn't even know you were from Baguio. I remember you cracking a joke where like. Oh, right, you're, yeah, yeah. you're like. I'm from way up north in Commonwealth, that's what you were telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm from the real north. <laughs> yeah, you were like, to me, you're all from the south. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that was one of the first times it sunk into me that you're actually, actually from Baguio. Yeah. I'm not culturally from Baguio, it seems. Culturally? I don't know, like, if you think about someone from Baguio, what do you imagine? That's a mini like, golf. Yeah. See? <laughs> I so, mean, that's the extent of my knowledge about Baguio. Yeah, but, you know, Parang Provinciano. Um, really? I, I yeah. actually don't see Baguio as a province. It is, I know it is. Like, technically it is. But, no. like, like I don't see it as Provinciano kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty modern, man. What I mean is, like, I don't know. Like, I felt like I was, like, a weird anomaly outside of, like, my friends. Because, like, all of them could speak Tagalog well. And then I was the only one who spoke English well. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know the like, feeling, I know with, the feeling. Like without the weird, without an accent. I really then, suck at Tagalog, by the way. Yeah. I've lost more jobs just uh, not being able to speak Tagalog. I'd be mistaken for either Korean, a foreigner, in like my own hometown. <laughs> I'm sure you fit in at Ateneo, yeah? No. No? <laughs> no, because like, I was not aware of your Manila cultures. What the Manila cultures? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, what the fuck's an Ika? <laughs> what the fuck's an Ika? Yeah, Why yeah, does yeah. everyone keep asking me if I'm from Savior? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm from Savior, and I don't even look like I'm from Savior. That's what I mean, like, oh, she's from Saint Skull, what does that mean? Oh, man, and then, you all know, of all those these... stereotypes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so like, I didn't fit in with the kids who could speak English or the Konya kids either, because like, I'm from a middle-class family, my dad doesn't own any businesses. Basically, you're still just the art dude. No. Not even when well, you moved here? Well, when I moved here, yeah, I was still like, I introduced myself like, maybe this will make me friends. <laughs> make me friends. So, I do art, guys! So when you moved here, you were still holding on to your art thing. Oh, yeah. It's, like, as your main thing. You never let go. No, it was like, I was, when I got here, I quietly accepted that it wasn't gonna be my life. Like, I took up management of all things. I didn't go to information design because I didn't know it existed. I didn't take fine arts because I didn't apply for it. Mm -hmm. I, I passed UP. Like, I could have gone to Dileman. That's it. Like, I went to Ateneo because like, I thought I would get a decent degree and then when I go back to Baguio, I'm gonna get like a decent job, way more advantages. 
than my contemporaries because like you know my parents were scaring me about like you have to go here because if they look at the diploma from SLU St. Louis University College in Baguio and a diploma from Ateneo they're gonna go with the one from Ateneo so I would cling on to the art thing as like I thought it would always just be a side thing I would be like managing some person's like accounts in a bank and then on the side I would do comics at night that was like my quiet acceptance as like a kid I, I didn't know what, what, what I wanted I always thought that yeah. the art thing was your main drive nah man nah I didn't know it could be a thing Oh, okay, and it just so happens that it became a thing. It became a thing. I mean, like when I met you, a bunch of people would always tell me, like, "That's Rob Jam." What do you mean he's Rob Jam? That's his name. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, just like, introducing you. Yeah, it's not important. Yeah, you are. All right, you're kind of super important. When you started getting popular, you said that art wasn't your main thing, right? Yeah, like that's the reason why I got to pursue art because of the attention I got mm -hmm. in college. Um, for those who don't know. Tumblr was a thing back then. And it still is. It still is, but it has its own, like it developed into its own monster of like, these are the politically correct beasts of the internet. I don't yeah. see it that way. I just see it as like a place I can go to and follow like local startup artists mm -hmm. who want to start shit. But like back then it was like, okay, so Tumblr Philippines, it will rank you according to how many followers you have, how many likes you get in a day. Cause they had that Tumblr ranking system called Tumblarity. So stuff I would post. I started a Tumblr blog because I wanted to start a 365 day thing where I would sketch something. Yeah, that's so, really popular. Yeah, so like I just sketched comics, drew stuff and then posted it every day. And then that got me attention because people would reblog and like and share and follow. And then I eventually got to like number two in the Tumblarity spot. I was like, yes, I'm popular in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, I got around 4,000 followers in college right now it's around 15,000 on my tumblr yeah and then like that got me recognized and i started getting jobs from it because um people took notice they started featuring me in newspapers and i started doing work for newspapers then doing gig posters for people making comics having those comics shared by people trying to do different stuff showing up at comic con so it's like just because of this one internet thing that mm -hmm. i started veering away from this idea of I'm just gonna be an accountant in a bank somewhere and like okay I'm gonna pursue this art thing and see where it goes I'm gonna do graphic design I'm gonna get paid I'm gonna design shirts I'm gonna enter threadless contests that I never win <laughs> I can never win a threadless contest I don't know what that is oh it's a threadless is a online shirt store okay yeah and then they have contests and if you win you get two thousand dollars yeah I wanted that money oh man <laughs> like it consistently blows my mind because like we've been friends for seven years we've been saying that kanina ba? yeah and like we don't talk about this shit we don't do we need to yeah i don't think we need to but like it's just amazing for me to be finding out about how you got started and like how this wasn't even your main shit and like you had this quiet acceptance that you were gonna work at some bank somewhere and like it just kind of picked up for you for all the younger artists out there who are just trying to get started what kind of advice would you give to someone like them Oh god, hate this question. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, because I didn't know what I was doing then either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I, I mean like... There's no right thing to say that will guarantee their success. I think most of the times when this question is posed, it comes with the underlying thing of like, how to succeed. I don't want that. I think what I want to get to know is like, what are the insights you got from struggling with your art? Oh, okay. Alright. Better worded question. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah. Anyway, um, 
ah, they can learn it on their own. Which I think is the best way to learn yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like, there, there's nothing I can say that can guarantee your success. I mean, I could give you, like, some things that might help because they're pretty much common sense, like have an online portfolio so people can see your stuff. Mm-hmm. Exposure. But, yeah, but if you don't put the work in, what are you gonna put on your portfolio? Where do you get your tastes? This is all stuff you have to develop. I don't know, like, you do you, man. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, one of the things that is hard for, okay, so let's say your artist starting out, this is what I would tell you. Don't stop. That's what I want to tell you because it's pretty much like you want to start making art for yourself for some reason but you gotta make it for yourself you gotta make something that makes you happy and then you don't have to make art for someone else like right now i used to make art just to make other people happy that's it like i had that mindset of tumblr like i have, I have to post something so that people will like, like it, it and mm-hmm. i'll get more attention uh-huh, and maybe uh-huh. it'll lead to something yeah. uh-huh. that didn't make me happy what made me happy was when I just stopped posting so much and just like made stuff that I like. I think that's pretty solid advice, dude. A while ago, you started with saying like, there's nothing I can say, but I think that's solid advice. I Do never... it for yourself. Yeah, but you know, like no one's gonna listen to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean like, that's because they also need to get a name out there. I thought like I might have a name out there already, which is why I can say this thing. For me, like, that's why I'm saying, like, don't go for that because not everyone can get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I see a lot of, like, when I go to Comic-Con, all these people who have put so much work into a comic and then I know how much work that entails. And then when I read the comic, it's shit. Yeah. Then I can't tell them that. But not everyone can make it, but they made something that made them happy. And that's what's more important to me. Because, like, other people, they can like your stuff, but are you happy with it? Mm-hmm. One of the things I've noticed with you is, like, when it comes to criticism, you're like super harsh. Yeah, because I, I want people to treat me the same way. I want to know what I've done wrong. I think um, I want to get better. When you were like still new to me as a friend, that was something that kind of like irked me a bit. I was like, oh, phew, man, this guy's brutal. This guy, mm. yeah. But like eventually you start developing like this appreciation for like that type of honesty, you know? Oh, thank you. I think that's what I like about you the most because I think you're one of the most honest artists I know in a sense that you don't bullshit yourself and you try to not bullshit other people. Silent acceptance from the Rob Jam? Nah, it's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I didn't notice it, but it just comes from this addiction to like being not misunderstood. Okay, I can get that. Yeah, because I really just, I want to be as clear as possible and it shows even in my like line work where like I only want clean lines I want to make sure that people understand that this is how the story goes I want to make people understand what I mean completely succinctly that they could have no room for error that they can't blame me for like but I thought you said this no I said this ah alright yeah so I've always had a hard time understanding people some people Mm-hmm. You know, and like I didn't want that, so I'm usually brutally honest. If you ask my girlfriend, like, why'd you say that? <laughs> like, you know, there'd be a lot of that where it's like, why'd you say that? Because I want to not hide things from you. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. I mean, like sometimes it hurts, and like a lot of people say like white lies here and there, but like, no, I figured out a way to say the truth without it hurting. Yeah? Yeah, you know, like add other stuff. I mean, you, you can criticize someone for how shitty they are, but there's still some good shit that comes through. Right, I was telling you about, I read a comic, it's shit, but I recognize how much work they put into it. And I mean, it's not ignorable. Maybe there's something worth value in everything, you know? Even Dive Kick, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> With its horrible art, yeah. It's, it's horrible art, but it's a fun game. Yeah, there's like... 
adept in the mechanics of that two-button fighting exactly. game. Exactly, and each uh -huh. character, brilliant, everything, except, you know, like, I, I just think it has better art. Could mm -hmm. have better art. I don't know, that's just me, like, I, I feel the need to not be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where you're at right now um, in your life, you've kind of built up a name for yourself already, and you're trying to do a lot of good in the community when it comes to the artists, right? Oh, maybe the comic scene. Maybe the comic scene. I'm not that active in like the art scene. Well, okay, so there's like the comic scene, there's the illustration scene, and then there's like the scene where it's kind of like, you know, high art, high end stuff where like you have to paint like a scene of poverty in the Philippines. That um, kind of like high art stuff. Okay. I go to exhibits and exhibit openings of that stuff but i'm not i don't feel like i'm there yet but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying I'm, i have some stuff in mind but right now i have some influence in the comics community mm -hmm. and in illustration stuff i think the last event i attended with you was that comic book reading thing for those who don't know okay so me and my friend apple are part of this group of just the two of us being pals <laughs> and doing whatever we want this group of two people yeah apple santa maria is another comic book artist and we're known together Chanta Maria. Chanta Maria. <laughs> yeah, Santa Maria, Chanta Maria. Yeah. So before we had an exhibit together, you were actually there. One of yep, the first I people was there. who showed up. Yep, I was one of the first people who showed up and I bought like three things. Yeah. Then I just saw you and Donna get overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so much crap here. Yeah. Um, we had an exhibit with Apple where we drew a thousand drawings on five by five pieces of paper. You don't know how much they are until you peel them off the wall. And then it would be random prices from 30 pesos to 500 or free. Mm -hmm. It was called Surprise. Anyway, so I had a long history of working with Apple on comics and stuff. So on his birthday, like he had the idea of, I kind of want people to do spoken word, but with comics. He borrowed a projector and we just read our comics to each other like not just me but like my friends um, other comic artists okay and we thought since our friend is opening a store called Una Morato we could have this event over there uh -huh. so it was just a way for like us to have our own um, gig thing because mm -hmm. like musicians have bars and places spoken word artists they have bunk they have um, sevs and comic artists they don't really have anything we only sense. ever have comic con we only ever have these opportunities to show off our comics but me and Apple never really thought of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to like read our comics and then like have fun. And then suddenly it had this thing where it's like, oh yeah, people can now buy the comics in the store right after you read them. Like give them a sample of what comics is in the local mindset. I mean, I know you've become a fan of Carlo Rosi Clemente. Yep, yep I have. Yep. That was you... a pretty badass story of La Mang. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it became like a weird advocacy when really it's just like we're trying to have fun with everyone else in the comics community. Because, yeah, like, there isn't anything like that. My advocacy in comics, I guess, is like Abangan, where it's me and like three other people Elbert Orr, yeah. Aljo Javier, Adam David, all just kind of like trying to push what we think are the best comics that everyone doesn't have access to. Because, like, the independent comic scene here, it's like you only ever get your comics out in cons. Yes, in cons. And you don't get major publishing until years later. And sometimes a lot of people drop off, a lot of people stop, a lot of people lose the opportunity. They're not willing to put it online, they're not willing to share that because, you know, you need to make money. There is no big comics industry here. The biggest publisher is probably Visprint. Well, they're my publisher too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they publish yeah. Abangan. I love them for like allowing that to happen, like they published Abangan. 
because then more people get a chance to like go to a bookstore and probably find like find a book that's locally done yeah and may and see that there is a comics culture here there is mm-hmm. a language there are all these talented people putting their effort into stuff like Carlo Rosi right uh-huh. you're talking about him uh-huh. Carlo Rosi Clemente is probably if he were anywhere else he would be like a manga superstar or yeah, probably just, yeah he would be on the level of maybe like the guy who made Naruto and like his style is so distinctly local I love that about him but because he's here and he has all the sensibilities all his stories like you read it you know it's made by a Filipino uh-huh. which is sometimes hard because like you buy a comic sometimes and it reads like oh it's a superhero comic or the Filipino superhero just happens to have a costume of the Philippine flag uh-huh. a superhero who happens to be in the Philippines as opposed to a Filipino who happens to be a superhero there's no like actual culture going on there as opposed to that badass Lamang story right? and Lamang oh, is inherently Filipino it's In, culturally relevant like, like even though it's just written word sobrang lutong na mga mura dun diba? putang ina as in kitang kita mo sa words eh tang ina sobrang sarap eh yeah so He's one of the people we featured the first abangan. Yeah, yeah. Um, one is another one is Giselle Nicolas. But yeah, like that's what I'm into in the comic scene. Aside from publishing my own stuff, where mm-hmm. since that Tumblr thing, like, because I did post comics, and then that's sort of how I got a name out there. Like, I met this guy Albert Orr, who was my co-editor sa abangan. Okay. He was just a teacher at Ateneo. Then he has a comics group that met every Thursday. It was called Comics Every Thursday. Comics Every Thursday. Yeah, because he wanted to instill a comics culture within the Ateneo like community. Mm-hmm. So like he would get the kids who were into comics, and then he would like tell them about, okay, let's work on a comic together. Here's some tips. Here's how to compose an image, stuff like that. So that was really helpful. I had a mentor of sorts, and then he showed me like how to properly put comics together, how to print them, where to print them. And that's where I went and sold my first comic. Was because of him and then that's how I became part of the Comic-Con scene then that's when I started making comics on the side when I was freelancing after I graduated uh-huh, uh-huh. and all led to like now I'm like an editor for an anthology I just came out with my first graphic novel this year yep, yep. it's in bookstores light right yeah and you haven't bought it yeah whatever. yeah <laughs> I, I'm a really bad friend I, I was actually walking around in the fully booked in the fort and I saw it and I was like oh man look it's light it's Rob's book I'm just putting it back. I'm putting it back, <laughs> and I'm just gonna take a picture and tell Rob I saw it because I can't afford it right now. Yeah, I appreciate oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Actually, like light was inspired by video games. Oh yeah, actually, whenever I see it, um, it does have that very video gamey like feel with the torch and the sword and the yeah. backpack and everything. It started out as a video game idea, dude. Like the idea was it was gonna be an app. Where like you're that tiny guy and then you just start collecting gems in the darkness. When you collect a gem, the light just like, you have a little brighter light and then it kind of starts to fade so you have to keep going. Keep looking for gems. Yeah, so it's kind of like an endless runner thing. So you just kind of like hope that when you get to the next thing, your light's still there. Another version was like, as you collect gems, the light keeps getting brighter. And then you have to kill monsters that are getting bigger and tougher who are drawn to your light. Yeah. Huh. Which was a lot harder to do. But like, yeah, that's why like the story itself is like just about this guy collecting gems. So it was a video game concept. How did it turn into a comic? I did like... How did you make the transition? I did like the concept art. And then I posted it on my Tumblr. Then I was working for these guys called Neon Mob. Um, they're a trading card company in the States. So they got me for one set and then they asked me, what do you want to do next? And then 
they saw that I did this piece where it was that concept art for life. Like, they said, we want something like this. So I just told them, like, it was a video game idea. So, like, I want to retain the rights to it <laughs> in case I make it a video game. All and right. then they let me keep the rights. So the rights are still with you. Yeah. So, like, yes. Um, but they own the artwork. They I... own those specific images. Yeah. It was very specific. Uh -huh. So, like, I gave them, like, 100 pieces and that was like I pitched to them how about a completely wordless set it's like a hundred page comic that as you collect the set you piece together the story mm -hmm. so like it went from that one video game concept art to a hundred page comic and uh -huh. this was in 2013 2012 okay I finished it and then I polished it then I gave it to them and then they released it and then I would just show everyone around here including like the publisher okay so my friend Carl Joe is now the editor for Anino. Okay. I showed it to him, I showed it to all my friends, I showed it to Apple, and then they were all just like, this is the best comic you've ever made. And I was just like, yeah, and no one will ever get to see it. Because <laughs> the rights are theirs. They own the hundred things you made. Yeah, so like, if I ever had to release it, I had to like, yeah, redo everything. You have to redo everything, exactly. Yeah, but when the guy who was my publisher for mm -hmm. Anino Comics, like, he was looking for pitches, I attached it as like a proof of like, I can finish a hundred pages, guys. <laughs> They rejected my pitch of like, it was just about like millennial people. Millennials was it? It was called hipsters, but then okay. like, I retooled it to millennials because it's now... Anyway, it's a different... Anyways, topic. keep going. Yeah. So they rejected that pitch because they wanted something more sure, not mm -hmm. something about like the trashy young kids of Manila. So Adam, David, and Carl Joe, they just broke both said, why not this thing? Light. And then like, I was just like, okay, if you guys want it. Then I like contacted Neon Mob and then like, hi, they want to make it into a book. Is it okay? <laughs> and then they gave me the rights for free. And then that's why I love them forever. Okay. I got to publish my first comic here. And then like, yeah, I was overjoyed. So that's how that turned out. Cause like every once in a while, I would just see you working on like light, but you would never talk about actually releasing it as a book. Yeah. And <laughs> I had no idea that's what was happening behind the scenes. And then like suddenly you release a book and I'm like, that was a book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just drawing panels for like some dude. It kind of was. And then it turned out like- so Things just kind of fall into place. Yeah, I'm extremely happy about that. Mm -hmm. Well, since you were just talking about light, is there any um, recent work you want to be talking about? Like anything you want to plug? Nah, because it's all secret stuff. It's all secret stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like I might have a comic coming out from a US publisher. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So we can't talk about that right now. But do you have any other events going on right now? I feel like since it's a podcast, we shouldn't really do that. Not like anyone can come. But like comics, reading actually. Uh -huh. Like just find us on Facebook, like reading comics. Like reading comics. Spelled with a K and a K. So reading K-O-M-I-K-S. And we usually announce events there if you want to check out reading comics. I can't tell you when the next one is because like this podcast. This is a podcast and who knows when this will come out. Well, I, we know. but Yeah, like, we know, but they don't know. What if somebody listens to this next year? Yeah, <laughs> so they can't attend the event that's happening on August 22 at Unomorat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's try to be current here. If like anyone would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about that? Just Google my name. <laughs> no, because that's how you find anyone. <laughs> yeah. You'll find my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram. Rob Jam, Rob Jam. Rob Jam. Um, yep. 
Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, this has been super great so far. I think through our seven years of friendship, this is the most I've talked to you about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly a guy who wants to brag about myself. I'd rather <laughs> we just, you know, play video games and kick each other's asses. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I'm pretty much game for playing video games downstairs and kick each other's asses. Yeah, I guess that's it. I'm a comic artist. And this is how video games were important to my life. <laughs> I don't know what else to add. Rob is a comic book artist. Video games are important. Yeah. I'm just worried how you're gonna edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's end it. <laughs> let's end it. Thank you, sir. Let's go play video games. And that was another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. Follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash a meal in the morning at night for announcements on when the next episode is out. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at at Emil Tang on Twitter. That's at E-M-I-L-E-T-A-N-G. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it over to emilinthemorning at gmail.com. Once again, thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night. <laughs>